Hi, Ralph. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. I don't know, though. Decisions, decisions, decisions. I sometimes feel overwhelmed. Well, you know, Jim, a lot of people do, uh, particularly in the first of every new year, because uh, we tend to make New Year's resolutions for January 1st, things like, I'm going to get more exercise, I'm going to eat less. And then you say to yourself, you know, every time I exercise, I get really hungry. So I want to eat more, right? So I want to eat more. So, you know, sometimes you're caught in a logical cleft stick. Sometimes the decision is, is very simple. Like, mm -hmm. do I go to Joe's restaurant or do I go to Mary's Cafe for lunch today? And, you know, that that sometimes can occupy people for half an hour trying to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like that. Uh, we did a uh, podcast about a year ago on uh, New Year's resolutions, so we I invite our listeners to go back and find that one. But, you know, decisions, decisions, decisions. Um, we moved into this uh, house that needed major renovation, right? Right. I mean, Sheila and I. And uh, your wife almost freaked us out by saying or giving us a book and telling us to write down the 500 decisions that we would have to make and we went ah! <laughs> just didn't want to make 500 decisions well you pointed out just before we started talking today that we probably did make those decisions but we didn't write them down and, and do the do the decision making what would we say logically we just made the decisions Yes, uh, and and that happens to a lot of people. Uh, some people who are uh, inveterate list makers will do uh, a good, bad kind of list and say, oh, if I make this decision, these are all the good things and these are all the bad things and the good outweighs the bad, so I'm going to decide this way. Yeah, that's kind of an information processing approach and certainly with this decision making, that's a, a good approach. but. You know, sometimes it's uh, putting chrome uh, bath fixtures versus uh, pewter-looking bath fixtures. Now, how do you make that decision? Well, you could agonize over that for a long time, I suppose. You could flip a coin. Yeah, and say pewter heads, chrome tails. Yeah, and uh, the thing about that is that it's kind of like buyer's remorse. After you make that decision in that way, does one find oneself second-guessing? Yeah, I should have done. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, yeah. 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 Now, um, we finally got through the renovation here of the house, and we're pretty happy with it. We did a good job. Now, uh, you and your wife, Karen, are continual. We did this in a three- or four-month period, you know, going right. from um, purchasing it in March to moving in in May. So we had a relatively short period of time where we were making these decisions. Now you and Karen have been in a state of renovation for years, it seems, in your 100-year-old house. We have, and uh, you know, I have long since kind of accepted and or resigned myself to the fact that we're likely going to be in perpetual renovation forever. Because, you know, you make a renovation 
the last major one we did was uh, the kitchen renovation with new cupboards and right. countertops and so on and so forth. You now, did a very nice job. That's not likely to change, but we also were talking today about our new puppy. Now we've, there's just the two of us at our house, so we have a bedroom which does not have a bedroom door. Okay. We've never felt the need for one. Ralph, you have now a puppy, but you've got two cats. Well, now we say to ourselves, uh, and in fact, I verbalized this to Karen this morning, that maybe now we need to put a door on the bedroom to keep the puppy out of the bedroom when we're not watching. So, you know, that kind of thing is apt to change and then change back. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, yep. so you have to say, well, some decisions are more permanent than others. Gotcha. Like the kitchen is going to stay the way we did it for, well, probably the rest of my life. And uh, the door to the bedroom, well, Me. it's pretty simple to take the hinges off and, you know. Yeah. Um, some people are just... I don't know, paralyzed with uh, decision-making. Uh, a friend of yours, a fellow I know, was named Jim, not me, but uh, he found a beautiful place on an island near where you guys were living, right? Right. And he decided he was going to build a house. Right. Let's hear the rest of the story. Well, he said, uh, I'm going to build a house, but the first thing I'm going to put up is a garage. And that'll give me a place to store stuff while I build the house. Makes sense to me. And then he said, you know, I might want to stay overnight, and I don't want to stay in a storage room, so maybe I should build a two-story garage. So he built a two-story garage. So he, he could live in the upper story. So he could have camp-out quarters in the upper story. Okay. Well, then he said, well, you know, this is uh, kind of okay, but maybe if I put a partition here and maybe if I made the uh, kitchen area a little more conducive to actually living here and cooking and enjoying what I'm doing and blah, blah, blah. So long story short, he ended up with a finished second story to his, quote, garage. Okay. So a place where he could live while he was building the house. Yeah. So it's a short-term solution, just a matter of a few months, right? Right. And then he said, well, do I want to build a... Uh, let me see, I've got... Uh, two boys and a girl, the two boys are apt to come and visit me, the girl is apt to come and visit me less often. Do I build a two-bedroom house? Do I build a three-bedroom house? Uh, do I build a house with a basement, which will involve a lot more money? Do I build? And so he got into this kind of analysis paralysis uh -huh. where he was trying to figure out what exactly was the most wonderful thing that he could build and then he realized that he had investments that were bringing him in a reasonably comfortable uh, 
lifestyle. And if he took some of the investments to build his house, his lifestyle was going to change. So he ended up saying, well, you know, what do I do about that? Make a long story short, at the end of five years, with no progress on the house, he decided just to live above his garage. And which is kind of a default position, I guess, but in a way it was based on the, this is too difficult for me to decide. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, let me ask a question. From his garage, uh, second floor, did he have a view of uh, the North Channel? He did. He had okay, a so he had a wonderful view of a beautiful place, right? He did. And at any point did he look at it and say, you know, I'm the luckiest guy in Northern Ontario. I have a beautiful view. I have a place I can afford. I'm, I'm really happy with my lack of decision. Or did, or did this continue to bother him? I think it continued to bother him, mm. Jim, because he was the kind of person, um, it, let's call him for lack of a, a more psychologically definite term, let's call him a worrier. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, he, he would not let this alone. He kept coming back to it and worrying about it. And that will, as we say in psychology terms, that'll eat your lunch. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll definite, and, and it definitely did, um, you know, color his view mm -hmm. of what could have been the, I am absolutely satisfied with this splendid place, this great view, and you know, I don't need uh, any more than the thousand square feet I've got uh, in my second story, Yeah, you know, uh, and, and my take on it is, uh, had it been me, I would have said, you know, I'm completely satisfied here, but uh, that maybe is because one of the lessons that that I've come to realize in my life is that sometimes simplifying things is the best way to be. You know, uh, before we moved to this new house, we were in the country on 20 acres and, you know, wooded and we had alpacas and uh, uh, horses at one point. But on the uh, property, we had a tiny house. You helped me build that. And uh, it was uh, 196 square feet and we ran an Airbnb out of it and we had had people come and and stay in the tiny house I'm sure people you know came from their own 1500 square foot house or 3500 2000. square foot house yeah but they loved the tiny house and many of the people who uh, came to visit us said, we're going to go home and we're going to build a tiny house someplace. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, because we want to simplify our life. Now, I'm not sure living in 1,000 or uh, 192 feet or 196 feet is going to simplify things. Well, I mean, you can't have a huge wardrobe. Your kitchen is pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. The... The, the bathroom is entirely adequate, but not luxurious. Right. It's almost like being on a cruise ship, you know, yeah. with your 200-foot stateroom, which 
you know, is not a bad place to be, I have to admit. Um, and so the idea of the, the, the tiny house movement here is uh, it's a movement toward simplicity, I think. Yeah, and many of us, you know, um, I, Jim and I were driving through a neighborhood uh, near the new house uh, looking for uh, porch lighting. And, and to see what other people were doing for porch lighting. And we, you know, drove around this neighborhood, which is a pretty affluent neighborhood, and there were people who had two garages uh, attached to their house, and then three garages, or three uh, building with three garage doors beside it. And I was thinking to myself, okay, that's five garages. So you have two cars, you have a boat, uh, you have a motor home, and you have uh, one that's left empty so you can do a little work in it. Uh, do you really need Five garages, yeah. Five garages. Well, I guess if you're in a position where you're making a million dollars a year, you could say, well, I think I do. I deserve. I deserve garages. this, okay, yeah. Right. I work really hard uh, mm -hmm. six days a week, I, you know. But on the other hand, uh, there's somewhere in the middle between the 196-foot uh, mini house and the uh, 4,000 square foot uh, five garages uh, house. Yeah. In the um, uh, Learn More section, we have a TED Talk by an interesting gal. She's from Czechoslovakia, and she's now in New York, I guess, because it's a New York uh, TEDx. And she gives us some of the formulas that she has you know, learned. And one of them is to simplify. Right. You know, try, just even streamline your decisions. Then she talked about making a list. Uh, let's see, do you like making lists, Ralph? I don't like it and I'm not very good at it. Okay, well she said that this helps to, for her, you know, to check things off at the end of the day. She's, she called it keeping a diary, but I would call it keeping a list. Yeah, and my wife Karen is very good at that. She will sit down at the beginning of a day and make a list of the goals she wants to accomplish and you know they they're not necessarily anything um, tremendous they're things like uh i've got three loads of laundry to do mm -hmm. but when the three loads of laundry are done and put away the box is checked on uh -huh. and that makes her feel good okay it kind of goes back to some ted talk or not ted talks but podcasts that we've done in the past about making your bed in the morning, right? Right. Just doing something that's concrete that at the end of the day you can check off and say, I've accomplished that. This gal also talked about sleep. She said, we make bad decisions when we're tired. Yeah, and I had uh, an interesting dimension on that yesterday. Um, Karen and I went, uh, she found an item on Facebook Marketplace that we wanted to buy. It was a cold air register made out of wood, which we wanted to put in, speaking of the ongoing, uh, you know, uh, repairs and fixer-ups to the house. Uh -huh. We wanted to put in our dining room in place of a metal uh, cold air register. 
So we found this and we decided we'd have a road trip in it. But, new puppy, Karen got to bed late the night before. She was up at 5.30 with the new puppy who wanted to go out and then have breakfast. <laughs> uh, so she got a very short sleep on top of two previous days, which she got a very short sleep. And so we are driving and uh, she's the navigator at this moment and she's saying, okay, now we're coming to X, no, now we're coming to what? And she's basically saying, you know, like I'm having trouble processing the map. Mm -hmm. And she also has her GPS on the phone and all of a sudden the phone pipes up and says, we're coming into Lowell. She says, oh, I know where we are now. Okay. You know, but that was not characteristic of her because it was a result of sleep deprivation for a couple, three days. Mm -hmm. Now, if you take that and you say, okay, now I got to think about um, which university should I go to or should I go to university? Should I go to community college? You mean a kid is thinking about these things? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, a kid who hasn't slept, who's been out with his friends partying for four days and then sits down to make that decision, mm -hmm. is it going to be a good one? Yeah. Mm, maybe not. Well, even if we have not the scenario of a kid who's been going out partying, but the teens that I see um, are all chronically sleep deprived. You know, they should be getting nine and ten hours of sleep a night, and they're getting five and six. So yeah. they start off in a position of not being really fully functioning when it comes to decision making. And so, yeah, you know, we talked earlier, Ralph, about in, in perhaps older times, it was easier to make a decision. You know, you were told which college to go to, or you were told you were going to be a farmer or a watchmaker you know, by a parent. Or, yeah, now and the, kids have lots of decisions that they have to make. And the thing is that they also have, and this is something that perhaps we didn't have earlier, they have lots of inputs. Yeah, that's true. You know, you watch Snapchat, you watch TikTok, you watch Facebook. And everybody's got an idea. Everybody's got an idea. Mm -hmm. And... You know, once you're, you've made a decision, uh, there's always the, you know, buyer's remorse thing. You know, did I make the right decision? And that's one of the things that this gal said. When you make a decision, just let it go. Okay, it's done. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, move on. And then the last thing that she said that I think was a good one, and that is to sort of trust your own intuition. You know? Okay. Um, um Whatever. I mean, you you guys knew when you saw the wooden cold air register whether it was a good thing to buy or not. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. you had some ideas as to what. So, did you buy it? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. Have you had a discussion on the way home about, well, should we have bought this or... Yeah. Well, the only discussion we had was... That, How do we pay uh, for it? Was <laughs> the... Um, Okay, the wooden cold air register cost us 20 bucks. The trip cost us half a tank of gas and lunch. Uh, so we spent more on the trip than we did on what we bought. Uh -huh. 
But on the other hand, the trip was fun. Yeah. And lunch was nice. So, you know, you have to say to yourself, uh, okay, I mean, I, overall, decision. I don't mind the investment. Okay, good enough. Well, we've got uh, under Learn More the TED Talk from this gal whose name I cannot pronounce. But we also have a song. Remember back in the 60s, Ralph, the, the Love and Spoonful? I remember them, yes. John Sebastian was uh, the leader of the group. Well, they came up with a song called, Did You Ever Have to Make Up Your Mind? So we're going to put that and learn more, too. Okay. Okay? Because <laughs> some of us have to make up our mind all too often. <laughs> so until next time, this is Jim. And Ralph. Saying, keep, keep your stick, stick on, on the ice. Because we're all in this together. together.